Welcome to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, a joint effort from the Massachusetts Law Office Management Assistance Program, Suffolk University Law School's Advanced Legal Studies, the Chicago Bar Association's Law Practice Management and Technology, and the Massachusetts Bar Association. Each month, episodes are presented by nationally known experts on a range of legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. You're listening to Legal Talk Network. Welcome back to my summer camp, folks. This is kind of like the camp from Parent Trap, only I'm not Haley Mills' twin. Neither has my career tanked to the level of Lindsay Lohan's, at least not yet. But maybe I'm in the Amanda Bynes stage. During the heinous months of fall, winter, and spring, this podcast features audio from live webinars broadcast under Massachusetts Low Maps' Lunch Hour Legal Marketing brand. There's only one problem with that arrangement. We don't host any webinars over the summer, such that we've been left with a content breach. Now, since nature abhors a vacuum, we've decided to offer four Lunch Hour Legal Marketing podcasts this summer, which podcasts will appear in the form of interviews with the featured speakers from our 2015 Super Marketing Conference in Boston, Massachusetts. It's actually a pretty great list of speakers turned interviewees, and we're calling this the Summer of Lunch. That's hashtag Summer of Lunch. It's a limited edition podcast series within an existing podcast, which is all very meta. I think Aristotle would be proud. If you don't recognize my voice, I'm Jared Correa, the Assistant Director and Senior Law Practice Advisor at Massachusetts LOMAP. I'm also the co-host of the Legal Toolkit Podcast. Our next Summer of Lunch interview is with Lee McMillan, Vice President of Marketing at AVO. AVO is an online legal services marketplace featuring lawyer profiles and ratings. Before joining AVO, Lee worked for MarChex with its call analytics operation. She also directed public affairs for the Seattle Mariners in the club's drive for a new stadium that eventually became Safeco Field. She has, as yet, been unable to reteach Robinson Cano to hit for power. But that's another story for another time. Lee's also a member of the board of directors at the Woodland Park Zoo in Seattle, and she owns Welcome Road Winery. So thanks for joining us today, Lee. How's everything going? Great, Jared. So happy to be here on this beautiful, beautiful Friday morning uh, in the Pacific Northwest, where it is anticipated to reach 90 degrees today, which we typically don't do very well with uh, up here. But uh, since it's a holiday weekend, I think we'll manage. Just stay inside. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, It's actually raining in Boston today, which is fairly ironic, I think, since I'm talking to someone from Seattle. Well, so. we just we did a little trade, just like in baseball. Hmm. Oh, very nice. I like how you brought it around there. Well done. At least, at least you, you have Nelson Thank Cruz you. this year, right? <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's get into the Q&A part. And we're going to talk social media today. So one of the major objections I hear from lawyers when it comes to social media is they always tell me, that's not going to get me clients. So first of all, is that true? And second of all, because I think I know the answer here, if it's not true, how can lawyers attract clients on social media? Well, uh, of course, I'm going to say it's not true. Uh, so there was uh, a study done recently where lawyers themselves indicated that 35% of them had gotten a client over social media. And part of the reason for that is 
basically the entire population is using social media. So 73% of adults these days Jeez. in the United States use social media. Wow. So what are you going to do? You, you can't ignore it. So you either put your head in the sand or you figure out the right way to participate in it. And the thing that I will say is I will give people permission to not participate in every social media channel. <laughs> That's There's good of you. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot. So that's, so that's a good segue. So what I wanted to do is run through some of the different social media channels and talk to you specifically about how people can use those. Um, Facebook. People use Facebook like a lot. <laughs> so how important is it for lawyers to promote their services on Facebook? And, and more acutely, I think, what are some of the ways that they can go about doing that, some of the practical things they can do? Well, you know, first off, it, you know, lawyers should be under no illusion that a consumer who's considering hiring you, um, and of course, legal is pretty personal to a lot of people, whether it's they're doing something like a will or planning their estate where they're protecting their family, or they're going to start a business, oh, or gosh darn it, they got into some trouble. Um, it's pretty personal. And so they are going to go look at your participation on social media and in particular on Facebook. And mm -hmm. so kind of the first thing to be aware of is just kind of think about what you're putting on there um, and whether that's in your personal life <laughs> um, or as a part of your business. Mm -hmm. So the first thing is just, hey, you know, be mindful of what's on there. And, you know, if you've gone out on a boat and drank a bunch of beer, you know, be mindful of the pictures that um, end up being put on there. Um, and the second thing is, uh, you know, Facebook can be a fantastic way to demonstrate a kind of your thoughtfulness and and give people an idea of what you would be like to work with and that can manifest itself in a few different ways um, if you're involved in philanthropic organizations for example um, you participate in charity dinners baseball game you know you coach your your kids baseball games things like that that show your participation in the community facebook is great for that the other thing that Facebook is great for, and I think you kind of asked the question in terms of how do you promote your services? Well, on Facebook, you kind of don't really want to promote them. You just want to showcase. So things like top, you know, three tips to do when you're considering um, creating a will or three things to be mindful of, um, you know, if you're concerned about a divorce. So if you go and look at content that's on social media, a lot of it is like these bite-sized lists and things to be aware of, similar to the morning programs on television. And Facebook is great for that. So these are things that you can kind of produce. They're low weight. It doesn't take a lot of time. It's not like sitting down in a blog where a lot of people, myself included, suffer from the white page fear where you're just staring at the page and you don't know how to get started. Facebook makes it really easy for you to, to kind of bite-size things like that that showcase not only your personality but also your expertise in a particular area. Yeah, I think that's so true. Uh, not only just online marketing, but marketing in general. You need to evince an expertise because that's why people are going to decide to work with you. And if you can showcase a little bit of your personality at the same time, that's a great idea. So let's talk Google+. Plus. Google+, Plus is kind of terrible, right? But, I mean, that doesn't mean that lawyers should avoid it. So let's talk about how Google+, Plus usage influences Google search results, and then how law firms should be getting the most out of Google+. Plus. Yeah, 
So Google Plus. Um, Google Plus is Google's answer to Facebook. Mm-hmm. But the way that they go about getting users to engage with it, because frankly, most users are over on Facebook, is they tie um, one of the ways I should say is that they tie search results to a certain extent to Google Plus. Mm-hmm. So if you've ever gone in and done a Google search around a person, so frankly, Jared, search for yourself, or um, around an organization, there is a thing that shows up to the right of the search results, not every time, but most of the time. And this block, um, and it typically has some photos in it and has information about the person. And if it's a business, they'll have the business address or operating hours. And this thing is called the knowledge graph. And in order to get the knowledge graph to appear, and the knowledge graph is useful, um, in order to get that to appear, you have to participate on Google Plus and tie it to your business. Hmm. And so that's one way that Google incents you to participate in Google Plus. And mm-hmm. so if you want the knowledge graph to show up, what you pretty much have to do is go and on Google, it's not called friending or following, it's called circling. Yeah. So you go and circle colleagues, peers is a good way to start, circle associations. And so mm-hmm. you start to build up a little bit of an audience and you don't need tons um, to really get it going, but you start to build up a little bit of an audience and then they will typically circle you back. And then you post at least once a week, ideally twice a week on Google Plus, and you should start to see the knowledge graph appear in search results. Okay, so that's, that's fairly straightforward, I think, for people. Search yourself, see if you've got the knowledge graph showing up, and then if not, you just create a profile and post twice a week. That doesn't seem too onerous. Um, it's, yeah, it's not too onerous. It can be a little bit tricky to get your profile set up because you have to be verified. And so what Google will typically do is you'll submit a phone number, they will send you an automated phone call, and then you accept And so it can be a little complicated to get things set up because this is also tied to how you show up on the Google Maps. So all of these things are kind of tied together, and it can be a little kludgy to set it up. But one of the ways that you can figure out how to set it up is, of course, Google, how to set up Google+. (laughs) And um, you can typically find some pretty good guides out there on how to do it. Yeah, you should be able to Google it, right? Let me Google that for you. But I think you're right. Kludgy yeah. is a good way to describe it because I can never keep track of this stuff. It used to be Google Places, right, that you had to do, but now Google Places is no longer around. Now it's Google Plus, I think. Is that right? I think That's so. That's correct. They sort yeah. of munged maps, places, and Google Plus all together <laughs> into one thing. Lee, your verb usage during the podcast so far has been tremendous, I have to say. I'm really impressed. I don't know if these are standard Thank verbs you. that you would find in, in Webster's, but they're good. Um, so we're going to talk a lot about Google today, obviously. I think when we talk about search rankings, we're mostly talking about Google. And let's address another Google property now, which is YouTube. So when you presented for us in Boston, you were talking about how YouTube is the second largest search engine now. Now, that's not at all crazy when you think about it, but it might be a surprise to people. So why do you think YouTube is so popular? Um, I would say there's there's two reasons for it. Um, the first one is the cost and method of <laughs> producing video <laughs> is 
uh, has really diminished in recent years. So, <laughs> yeah. you know, it used to be you had to have an expensive camera, HD camera, and they cost thousands of dollars. Well, now you can shoot pretty high quality video using your phone. And so it has proliferated um, mm. video and a lot of different types of video. Um, starting with how-to videos. Very, very popular now. I actually went and watched a video on YouTube last week on how to install a Nest thermostat, um, which thank goodness that video was there because otherwise there was no freaking way that was going to be installed by me. Um, so super, super helpful. Um, and then video is, of course, awesome for, again, kind of showcasing your personality. Um, some people like yourself are very, very good on video and radio. Um, and so it's just another way to communicate in a way that consumers increasingly like. Yeah, so I, I feel like whenever We're I watch it. Oh, oh, totally. I think that's part of it, the attention span. But whenever I see like a how-to how video on YouTube, it's like how to build a skyscraper. And I'm like, oh, I can do that. Um, so the how-to videos I think are interesting. So can we talk about some of the specific ways that lawyers might use YouTube? Like as a lawyer, would you, would you do like a how-to video or something like that? Or would you consider doing interviews of subjects? Or is it more sort of short, short videos talking about the practice? What do you think would be good for a lawyer to do on YouTube? You know, it's um, – and, and a lot of it – and I hate to – this sounds like a cop-out, but a lot of it depends <laughs> upon the lawyer – yeah. And what they're most comfortable doing. Mm -hmm. um, so there are some lawyers uh, who are phenomenal, just sort of turn on the camera and I'm going to start talking about a particular topic. Mm -hmm. um, so and and in that case, what you're basically doing is taking content that you would have written, whether mm -hmm. in a blog or in a post on Facebook, and you're just turning it into video instead. So again, people are kind of lazy and um, particularly millennials, not to malign them, but they would much prefer to watch video than to actually read something. Yeah. And for a lot of folks, producing video is easier. I'd rather just turn on the camera, talk to the camera, post that, um, mm -hmm. than writing a blog post. So that's one way to do it. Um, and again, that sort of snackable there we go. There's another uh, uh, good I word for this. you. Snackable Jeez. content. <laughs> um, I got all the buzzwords that should be allowed in Scrabble. Um, we have a lot. So of, we I, have I, a lot of, I watch for them. I sense a lot of hashtags <laughs> coming out of this podcast. <laughs> exactly. Snackable content. So you can do the same thing. You can say, and and you know, this would be an unfortunate circumstance, but the three things to avoid if you get pulled over for a DUI. Um, the four things to do um, when you know you're in a uh, estate planning situation or you have an elder adult and you need to deal with their their affairs. Yeah. So again, this yeah. really really snackable content can be done really easily in video. You upload it onto YouTube, and then this will start to appear in Google search results for people who are either searching on the topic that you're talking about if you name the content properly when you post it on YouTube. And also when they search for you. So it's just, it's another, it's another channel. It's another avenue for producing content online. That, that's some good advice, I think, on the YouTube side. I think a lot of attorneys really don't like to blog, for example. And so thinking of taking something that you would have written and making a YouTube video out of it is a really good idea. It also allows you to repurpose some of your content. 
So let's take this from another angle now and leave the, the world of uh, social media behind for a second. You're a zoo person. What's your favorite kind of hybrid animal? <laughs> I just, I think there's enough awesome, awesome animals as they are <laughs> that um, I, I don't know that we need to combine them. So okay. I kind of like ligers, animals, which is why I ask. But. <laughs> yeah, exactly. The ligers. Um, <laughs> one animal which kind of seems like a hybrid and um, a lot of people may not know about this animal, so you need to go Google it immediately. And that is the tree kangaroo. Oh, really? So it's kind of a, it looks like a bear. It's like a cross between a bear and a kangaroo, and they actually go up in trees, hence the name tree kangaroo. Oh, yeah. Very cute. They have this kind of reddish-brown hair, super, super cute. So they're kind of like a hybrid, and maybe that's how they've actually resulted, but... There you go. And we have them here at Woodland Park Zoo, and they're an absolute favorite for the kids. Oh, these things are amazing. All right, everybody, Google yeah. uh, tree kangaroo baby, and you'll want one for a pet. They kind of look like a more the cutest version thing. of a fox. Yeah, these things are great. Do you, ha- do you own one as well, Lee, or is that just you have to go visit now, them? You, you go visit them at the zoo, you know, because they, of course, will eat everything, every sort of green thing within their grasp uh, in the tree. So um, not something you want to have at home, typically. <laughs> yes, at least with plants around. All right. So this is I think we, exactly. I think we got a real good start under our belts right now. All right. So, Lee, in the first half of the show, we talked about some of the more mainstream or the uh, most popular social media platforms like Facebook, Google Plus. YouTube. How about some of these lesser known or non-major social media services like Tumblr, Instagram, Pinterest? Should lawyers be on there too? And sort of what should they be doing on those platforms? Well, I'll start with Tumblr. I think there is a great opportunity for lawyers on Tumblr. And for listeners that don't know what Tumblr is, think about it as kind of being a blog and aggregate of blogs. Hmm. So it's just another way to go in and frankly blog using photos and the like. Um, And Tumblr has gotten, again, increasingly popular with the younger set, although not exclusively, I should say. Lots of us older folks go on Tumblr as well. And what you can do is you can... (laughs) Oh, I'm dating myself, not you. I'm aging me, not you, Jared, to be clear. I feel better now. Um, (laughs) So you go onto Tumblr and you search for a particular topic and things that you like or in some cases don't like. um, And uh, Tumblr will showcase a bunch of different Tumblr blogs that sort of meet that criteria. And um, there's not a lot of lawyers participating on Tumblr right now. There's a few. You can go search on particular topics or um, legal as a general topic, and you'll see a few on there. Um, And so I think there's a lot of opportunity for lawyers to stake out their claim, if you will, on Tumblr. It's kind of like the Wild West now. Um, There's still an opportunity to get in there early and stake your claim and establish a presence. Um, But as with all social media, you have to kind of ascertain what's the client base or who am I trying to reach and what social media are they on? And that includes Tumblr. Yep. yep, Um, So, so I think again, it's just like another opportunity, but you got to be mindful of who's on Tumblr. Um, It tends to be a younger, again, younger audience, but increasingly Mm -hmm. becoming mainstream. 
Yeah, and as so you said that would earlier, be the first thing. and as you said earlier, you know, you have to you have to bide your time and make sure that you're not trying to get on too many social media services. So if you use Tumblr, that probably excuses excludes you from using something else. Um, and I don't know many lawyers on Tumblr either. And in an environment where there's so much lawyer saturation, getting your voice out in places where other people aren't, I think, is a good idea. Um, how do you feel about Instagram, by the way, for lawyers? I think. Again, it depends upon the lawyer. So let me, mm-hmm. let me give you an example. If you're yeah. somebody who um, photography is a hobby. So as a lawyer, you love to do photography. You do it on the side. Maybe you're taking pictures of lawyers. Most likely you're not. You're taking pictures <laughs> of other things. Um, Instagram is a great opportunity to showcase that. Um, so that's one way that I could see lawyers participating on Instagram and I have seen some lawyers participating on it. Um, mm-hmm. but it's not kind of my number one go-to, you know, yep. uh, you know, you, you kind of want to go back to where are, where is my audience and how can I participate in a way that adds value? And Instagram is very photo driven. In fact, it's entirely photo driven. Mm-hmm. So you'd have to be creative and think about how could I actually add value to this as a lawyer. Um, so if you're a photographer, that's a great way to do it. It's just another way to showcase. Um, if you're a lawyer that travels around and speaks at conferences and you go to beautiful locations or sometimes not beautiful. Um, <laughs> uh, I've been at some conferences that were not, you know, fantastically beautiful, but you can find the beauty in anything. Um, you could post photos from all of the different conferences you speak at. Hmm. I'm just throwing out some ideas right there. Yeah, I don't think ideas. Instagram is the obvious one. And the same thing with Pinterest. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, if you're taking pictures of lawyers and that's your hobby, well, uh, God bless you. I hope you enjoy that. Um, <laughs> but as you said before, it, whatever suits your personality, you can find an outlet for it on the internet. And you could turn it into a business marketing experience as well. Um, so now let, let's leave sort of the social media platforms for a second here and, and talk about Google rankings some more. Um, having a mobile website, which a lot of attorneys don't have as of now, how important is that at this point with respect to ranking on search services. So if you want to rank on Google and you want your website to rank on Google and it's not mobile optimized, then basically you don't exist or you will start to not exist. Mm -hmm. So Google uh, back in April updated their algorithm. So the thing that determines which websites are going to show up in search results and that uh, algorithm update has been nicknamed mobile getting. Because that was the time that they said, either you have a website and you're in, uh, that's mobile optimized, then you're in, or if you don't, you're out. And a lot of companies, frankly, not just lawyers, of course, but a yeah. lot of large companies who yep. had ignored their mobile website were penalized. Mm-hmm. And so it's just, it's the way of the world now. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, the vast majority of searches now, local searches, so people looking for professional services and services within their area, that is increasingly, and now mobile has surpassed desktop. So basically, if you're not on mobile, you're, you're not in. Um, yeah, so yeah. you have to have a mobile-optimized website. The good news is um, it's pretty easy to get. So most website providers now, worth their salt, um, make them mobile optimized. So if it's not, get it done. 
Yeah, that's that's pretty self-explanatory, I would say. Now, in terms of search results, I've heard you say that social dresses your search house. What do you mean by that? So, yeah, this is, and if you needed some motivation to participate in social media in some shape or form, boy, this this is like one of the primary motivators in that it will impact your search results and it can optimize your search results. And by that, I mean... You got to own your own real estate. Let's let's have all kinds of metaphors going now. Um, So you first of all need to own your real estate. So when someone searches on your name, and believe me, if they're considering hiring you to be an attorney, or they're out there looking for an attorney, so they haven't even found you yet, um, they're going to start on Google. And so you need to, first of all, make sure that your Google house is in order, meaning, again, go search on your name. What are the results that appear there? And the, the thing is, Google relies on and includes social media-related content in search results around an individual person or a company, such as a firm. And so this is an awesome opportunity for you to do what I call dress the house, and that is make your search results beautiful and how you want them to appear. So, for example, if you're active on Twitter, Google's going to pull in what you do on Twitter into search results for your name or your firm. Same thing on Facebook. Same thing with Yelp. And same thing with Avo. So Avo appears very, very high in search results, both around attorneys themselves and around legal topics. And so that's why you want to make sure that your Avo profile is stellar and is up to date because that's going to show up when somebody searches on you. It's also going to show up when somebody searches on information related to the practice area that you are in, and you want to make sure that you appear there. So doing things like Q&A on Avo, which is another really, really easy way to generate content. Again, you don't have to stare at a white page. You actually have a question to respond to, which is a lot easier for a lot of attorneys to do. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. They have some motivation to respond. Um, So... (laughs) Let's let's talk. Let, let's track back to developing that social profile so that you can dress your search results. Now, when you were speaking, press, you were talking about sort of the progression that someone makes as a social media user. They go from just kind of being on the service and being somebody who's actually a human person to turning into somebody who likes to share information and who would end up conversing with others. Why is that an important progression to make? And do you have any advice for lawyers on how they might make that progression? Yeah, I I think, and so we sort of think about it like the bare minimum of participation is to say that I'm here. Because if you're not here, then nobody who is looking online for legal services will find you. And so kind of the base level is, is by saying, I'm here, it's that you've completed profiles that are going to show up both in search results and on social media channels that people are going to use when they're looking for an attorney. Avo, LinkedIn, again, Google+, Yelp. Um, you know, so these are services that people rely on to give them information around individual attorneys. So if you don't have a profile there, you're not here. Hmm. And so the next sort of level of that is actually participating and saying, I'm human. Mm -hmm. So get to know me a little bit. Here's some information about me. And so that gets you into participating on Facebook and Google+. Uh, You can do an introductory video on YouTube. 
the thing about this next level, though, is it's not really set it and forget it. So in order to be human, you actually have to engage with the universe. And so in social media, that means you post. You post on Google Plus. You post on Facebook one time a week. Um, You don't just do one YouTube video. You do, say, one a month or one every couple of weeks. Mm-hmm. On AVO, it means you make sure that your profile is not only updated, but then you participate on AVO, you answer questions, you upload guides. So that's kind of the next basic level. And some of this is, of course, going to depend upon the amount of time you have to dedicate to marketing. So that got, that got pretty deep there. We were talking about our relationship with the universe, but I think those are some good tips there. You know, you got to have a publication schedule of some kind, basically, I think, is partly what it breaks exactly. down to. Exactly. Um, so Lee, you've been very good with the substantive legal stuff. Now let's leave that world behind and let's talk a little bit about some random things that are on my mind. Um, I saw Jurassic World. I thought it was a pretty good movie. What if Sir Richard Attenborough offered you the opportunity to operate a dinosaur theme park on the San Juan Islands outside of Seattle? Would you accept that invitation? Oh man, that's a tough one. Because, first of all, the San Juan Islands, for anyone that hasn't been there, is beautiful. So, yeah, get there on a boat, either a big boat or a little boat. You can take a ferry from Seattle. And uh, you get out there, and it's just calm and serene, and you can have a glass of wine looking out over the water. It's just fabulous. So I'm not sure that you want to put a theme park there because, I, you know, I really like just sitting there having a glass of wine, frankly. Mm. Um, so I would probably say no, and for that reason, and also rides make me nauseous, and so that the like rides uh, of all kinds, disaster. I see. Um, I and see. I might suggest that instead we have a little animal sanctuary. Oh, all right, this is good. You have an alternate solution. I like that. I have an alternative solution. So have a little bit of an animal sanctuary. And here in Washington State, and I don't know if this is the case uh, across the country, but you can actually have your yard designated a wildlife refuge. Oh, that's fascinating. So there's some things that you have to go through to do that. But a lot of people, even in my neighborhood, and I live in the western part of Seattle, um, my neighbors have their yard designated wildlife sanctuary. So I think instead we could go on a campaign and get everybody on San Juan Island to have a wildlife sanctuary. So then you'd have a lot of wonderful animals. It's good for the environment. And then we can all enjoy the peace and quiet and still have a glass of wine. Let's do it. You just want to drink a Merlot without some Tyrannosaurus rice trying to grab it. I understand. That makes a lot of sense. <laughs> exactly. I have simple, simple needs and, and desires, you know, <laughs> just this lovely glass of wine and some peace and quiet. So I think you, I think you would like this song. Have you ever heard uh, "Gorilla, You're a Desperado" by Warren Zevon? What? <laughs> Gorilla? <laughs> I'm going to no, take that. I, I'm going to take I, that as a no. It's a song about zoos. I think you would like it. So let me let me relate to the audience. So it's a song by Warren Zevon. He goes to the zoo. The gorilla takes his glasses. And then begins to impersonate Warren Zevon. He goes around, steals his BMW, lives with his wife. He starts to play racquetball. He gets depressed. He goes to therapy. And then he thinks to himself, gee, life wasn't so bad when I was a gorilla in the zoo. And so he switches back. Well, boy, a lot happens in that song. So I have to admit, I, I don't know the song, so I'm going to have to, of course, download it. And, um, but isn't, isn't he the Werewolves of London guy? Did yes, I get that right? Yes. yes, perfect. Okay. So, Lee, you and everybody out there, 
Listen to Gorilla You're a Desperado on YouTube. It's a great song. All right, last question I have. It's pretend I'm a curious consumer and I'm wishing to, wishing to purchase a fine wine from the Washington State Welcome Road Winery. What would be some of my better options? Oh, my gosh. Well, given that it's, it's very hot here and increasingly hot around the country, I don't know what's going on with y'all in Boston, but um, our 2014 Semillon chilled is fantastic. You can have it with a little salad, with a little fish. It's just lovely. And then the second choice would, of course, be our 2012 Road Trip Red Blend, which um, has won gold medals uh, all over the place. So we've gotten medals from the Tri-Cities Wine Festival. We've gotten a medal from Sunset Magazine. Very, very popular, great barbecue wine. So those would be my two recommendations. Perfect. So uh, sit down, grab a glass of wine from Welcome Road Winery, listen to a little Warren Zevon, and watch out for the dinosaurs. See, I had a theme going here the oh whole time. <laughs> what a fantastic day that sounds like. I wish I was doing that this weekend. Uh, I can smell the oaky aroma already, if that's something wine people say. I don't know. <laughs> so Who doesn't all- love an oaky aroma? That's right. That's right. And we're almost done here, Lee. I promise. Um, for everybody out there listening, we hope you've enjoyed another episode of the Lunch Hour Legal Marketing Summer Series. I'm having fun, at least. Um, if you dig these shows, test drive the rest of our shows. You can do that at LegalTalkNetwork.com. So Lee McMillan of Avo was a great sport today. She was also in the zone talking about social media. So Lee, can you tell the listening audience how they can find out more about you and about Avo? Absolutely. So Avo... Uh, is avvo.com and it's actually named for the Italian word for lawyer, avocato. Huh. So that's the history that. behind that name. So avvo.com and then you can find me uh, most likely on LinkedIn um, and on Twitter. I tweet about five times a year, so I save them up and then they're really, really meaningful tweets. Uh, but my <laughs> handle on Twitter is Lee, L E I G H M C M. All right. Lee's not a hypocrite. She practices what she preaches. She's on Twitter. Um, the summer of lunch keeps coming on strong. Keep listening for more of the good stuff here. That is, if you're not doing something more exciting, like, I don't know, making homemade soap. Thanks for listening to Lunch Hour Legal Marketing, produced by the broadcast professionals at Legal Talk Network. Join us for the next episode covering legal marketing topics, including promoting, growing, and marketing your law firm and or practice. Subscribe to the RSS feed on LegalTalkNetwork.com or in iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. If you're a lawyer running a solo or small firm and you're looking for other lawyers to talk through issues you're currently facing in your practice, join the Unbillable Hours Community Roundtable, a free virtual event on the third Thursday of every month. Lawyers from all over the country come together and meet with me, lawyer and law firm management consultant Christopher T. Anderson, to discuss best practices on topics such as marketing, 
client acquisition, hiring and firing, and time management. The conversation is free to join, but requires a simple reservation. The link to RSVP can be found on the unbillable hour page at LegalTalkNetwork.com. We'll see you there.